episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you love underground music and movies, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed shirts, vinyl, CDs, and more. Go to portlanddistro.com. Plug in the discount code MikeHill666 for 15% off at portlanddistro.com. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone's doing well. It's time for Everything Went Black. Uh, yeah, before I go on with this episode, I just want to say uh, thanks for listening to the show. And uh, this past weekend, I actually met some of you out at the uh, Decibel Metal and Beer Fest. And I, it was cool. It was cool to run into some of you guys. And uh, it made me really happy that there's someone out there listening. And I just want to tell everyone that this means a lot to me to be able to do this stuff. And seeing live music again made me realize how much all that stuff means to me as a fan as well as a performer. And I really, really look forward to getting back out on the road and doing this stuff. And um, man, I got to tell you, after almost two years of this being absent from my life, there's not much in there, man. (laughs) I hate to admit it. I really don't have much going on besides going to shows and playing music. So uh, with that, I just wanted to welcome our guest this evening. It's Mike McGinnis. For longtime listeners, you might recognize him from Fight Amp. I had him on several years ago, so uh, dig up that old episode and check out what we talked about way back then. But Mike has a new band called Rid of Me, and they've got some upcoming shows and a brand new record about to be released. So check it out. Mike, how's it been, man? It's been a while since we talked the last time. Yeah, it's been good. I mean, obviously, you know, it's been a interesting couple of years here, I think, for everyone in the world so <laughs> i mean but i'm hanging in there think things are well how about yourself you know it's just like everyone else it's been a very challenging year and a half uh yeah. looks like things are starting to pick up a little bit i went to um the decibel metal and beer festival last night and also the dead guy killing music documentary on friday there was a pre a premiere of that on friday night down in philly i am very bummed that i missed both of those things i had uh a band that uh, I released an EP for on Night Fits uh, had their record release show on Friday. So I had to go to that. Uh, And then yesterday I was helping my girlfriend move. So I missed all the dead guy stuff and I'm very bummed on it because I'm a huge dead guy fan. So, Yeah. I had Keith on as a guest uh, last week and that was, uh, you know, great. I mean, I've, got to become you know pretty good friends with Keith over the last couple of decades and uh cool. you know I've, I've always in awe of that dude because of just the incredible legacy of music that he put out there with Rorschach and Dead Guy Kiss a Goodbye like all that sort of stuff I'm right there with you I mean I, I think that especially as far as uh the the little pocket we're in and the in like the Jersey in between Philly and New York area I mean, I'm in Philly now, but I grew up in Jersey and spent a lot right. of time there. But, uh, you know, I whenever people ask me favorite band from Jersey, I'm dead guys always at the top of my list. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I, you know, I grew up in New York and now now I live in Jersey. So <laughs> it's kind of yeah. funny how that works yeah. out. I'm but sure I feel back. like I, I feel like I've always been like a, an honorary, like resident of uh, the state of New Jersey just because of uh, I mean, I, I, I got a pretty deep. I run deep in New Jersey with friends and, 
you know, just spent a lot of time out here before moving here. And, you know, most of the, actually now my entire band lives in New Jersey. So we have a practice space out here and it's, uh, it's a really cool place to live. Gets a, for un, unwantedly gets a bad rap from everybody. And I just don't understand it. So. Yeah. I'm a, I'm glad to hear you say that. I, I feel the same way. It gets a bad rap. And I also feel like, you know, the pipeline between Philly and Jersey, at least certain parts of Jersey and New York, uh, there's a so many parallels. I know there's a lot of differences too. And, you know, people like to point those out, but it is kind of one big area with subtle differences between yeah. places. So I think it gets a bad rap because, you know, people pass through and they see the turnpike and the, uh, you know, they don't know the, the small towns and the, a lot of the wooded areas and the farms and how, I don't know. I, I like New Jersey. I, yeah. I've been living in Philly over 10 years now and I still like New Jersey and I would still live there at some point. Right on. So the last time we spoke uh, was fight amp was, uh, was happening. And um, how, what, what was the, uh, you know, what happened with fight amp, man? What was, what was uh, the, you know, the demise of the band basically? It was pretty, it was what most bands don't do. And that's, you know, we we did sort of the, uh, hey, we feel like this thing has run its course. And instead of uh, maybe putting out another couple records that we are a little less proud of each time, why don't we end it now on a high note? Uh, and th that was really it. So I'm, I'm, I'm still happy with that decision. And I think the other two guys are too. So I, I stand by it. That's really admirable, man, because you know how it is from small bands all the way up to gigantic bands, there's always like, you know, this, this kind of, um, there's always one or two guys who are against the band breaking up or it's great that you collectively were able to, to see that maybe the best work had been done and that to continue would be sort of anticlimactic. Like I definitely respect that. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I mean, it was a hard decision still, don't get me wrong. Cause like we were having a good time and we were proud of what we were doing, but it just seemed like we were about to go in a direction that was not going, that, that it just, the chemistry was maybe not going to be what it was supposed to be. And uh, I, in retrospect, I think we were right. So. Yeah. I mean, that's just natural too. I mean, you know, you got a group of people together making music, being creative, and um, it's only a matter of, you know, a tough time sometimes over the course of many years before people start having different interests creatively and they start diverging and um, you know, it's, it's natural, I guess, in the scope of yeah. things. Yeah, I agree. And we spent a lot of time doing it, you know, and John and I specifically, you know, we were there start to finish. And I mean, you know, we, we started writing the songs for the first demo in 2003 it was a long time ago. We were different people, you know, and they were yeah. and the world was a different place. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, a quick anecdote about bands breaking up. It's like my former band, Anodyne, pretty much ended the same way. I mean, we, you know, I mean, I, we had a lot of different lineups, but that final you know, three piece lineup with me, Josh and Joel were like, yeah. that was, that was like the, the lineup that did the most, you know, damage, I think over the yeah, yeah. Yep. course of its, uh, you know, brief career. But like, yeah, we, um, I felt the band starting to diverge, you know, like we were all trying to do different things. And, uh, yeah, we, we had a European tour booked and, um, 
one day I just woke up and I was like, guys, we really got to talk about stuff. And I remember we met in, uh, in the middle of uh, McCarran Park in Brooklyn. We just all walked out into the middle of this field. <laughs> or like, we're like so we all came from different directions <laughs> like we all met this I, middle of this field i love this yeah yeah and, I love it. And, I, and i was just like guys you know like i think we all know why we're here uh <laughs> you know let's uh you know let's let's make a decision you know and what do you guys want to do you guys want to do this tour coming up or you want to and everyone unanimously were like yeah i don't think i don't think we should do the tour if we're not going to continue as a band and and i agree we've all this thing's run its course. The last record was like probably the best we're ever going to do. And that would be uh, the lifetime of gray skies album. And um, right. Yeah. And we all, we all just amicably decided that it's over. And then we all went back in our separate directions across the field and that was it. And then everyone went on to do other things. How do you, I mean, it's been a while since then. How, how do you feel about that decision? Looking back on it with, with this much separation. It was the only way things could have went, really, and I think everyone yeah, benefit, yeah. benefited from that. I think that um, so you know, no regrets. I, oh no, no, no! I mean, it, yeah. I, I'm very, very happy that the last record that that band produced was Lifetime of Grey Skies, which is, I think, the pinnacle of what that band would have been able to do. And um, that's that's the album that I identify that band with. Uh, in, you know what I mean? Like, I to me that that's what I would turn on if I was showing someone I'm done, you know, so make, makes sense. Yeah. I think it pretty much hits all the, all the, the strong points of that band. And, right. You know, and then like everyone did other things like those guys wanted to do uh, defeatist and, you know, and I went on to do, well, I was for Soma and then I ended up doing tombs and it enabled me to fill in all the stuff that I wasn't able to really do in anodyne. So. Yeah, that's right on. I mean, I, uh, I feel like it off, so often goes the other way. So it's nice, I think, when bands do that and it's amicable and, and it makes sense logically, you know. So speaking of moving on and doing new things, there's uh, this new band that I just found out about last week from our mutual friend, Tim, that involves you and some other people. And that is the band Rid of Me. So uh, what's the story with that band? Uh, so... On the interim between Fight Amp broke up and me and the Fight Amp guys and our friend Itaria uh, started another project called Lodos. Okay. Um, put out a full length. Uh, did some did some moderate touring. We like hit the West Coast and uh, Northeast and you know up into Canada and stuff like that. And it sort of fizzled out quickly um i still like the record we made and it was a really fun time uh but and again there was it was not it was the type of thing that just sort of fizzled out it wasn't even because the band had only been together for a little while um we just sort of weren't on the same page and maybe me and the other fight guys i should have known that we weren't going to be quite on the same page after ending a band and then trying to take a genre turn into another band because we like playing music together but Anyway, we did that. It sort of fizzled. And Itaria and I, you know, really like uh, we work really well together creatively. So we wanted to do another project. So we just started writing songs uh, just in our free time. And I guess late 2020, 
you know, we had like this batch of demos and our, our friend Howard who played drums on the second Fight Amp record, um, he was really burning to do another project because his life has sort of, you know, gotten into a place where he has the time and energy and anything else you need to be able to devote to being in a full-time band. And uh, it just worked out with the three of us. And we like rapid fire February of 2020, right before the pandemic hit, I was going on tour with another band. We rapid fire recorded four songs and we were about to go on tour with Soul Glow in spring pandemic hit. We had to hit the brakes. And while we were writing new songs, we brought Ruben from Soul Glow into the band because we just realized we wanted another guitar player and he was like the perfect fit. So throughout the pandemic, we essentially wrote a full length and a bunch of other short releases, did a bunch of cover songs, stuff like that. Uh, but it was an amalgamation of past projects, but just in this very frictionless way where we're all like making this sort of noisy melodic punk music that we all have all wanted to make and our personalities just mesh really well. So, yeah. Now the, the progression from Fight Amp into Lodos into Rid of Me. I mean, I, my, my, uh, my feeling about the Fight Amp music is that you, know, you guys definitely have a heavy, like, you know, noise rock vibe going on. But there was also sure. like, um, like the same way early Nirvana was, like if you listen to Bleach or something like that, you know, you can tell these guys are into like Black Flag and like, you know, you know, the Melvins and like Sabbath and all this stuff, but there was like a sensibility of songwriting and melody and all that stuff. And I always felt like Fight Amp had that element in it where a lot of other bands in that scene sort of would forego melody and quote unquote songwritership as right. for other, other aspects. So I'm not familiar with Lodos, but how how would how does that progression work? I mean, did Lodos become more of a uh, you know kind of indie sound or like what's because I because like the the root of me material is very very catchy and very very catchy in a way that has a certain depth to it as opposed to just oh yeah I can tap my foot to the song you know so what was yeah. kind of the uh, the evolution of all that? Yeah, I I think if you listen to the Lodos LP you'll it perfectly kind of bridges the gap between those two bands. And if someone were to listen to Fight Amp and Lodos back to back, you can hear a lot of Fight Amp in Lodos, where Ritami separates itself from Fight Amp a little more. And I, I say all this not to take away from like other, other members, because everyone contributes to songwriting in all of these bands, but I write a lot of the music. So it's like, it's one of those things where you, you know, people are like, oh, a lot of the stuff you do sounds like fight. I'm like, well, of course, like I, that's, it's my character. I'm, I'm the one writing. It's, it's hard for me to write things that I'm not hearing in my head. So, uh, but the evolution definitely, uh, it's just funny, like, Lotus falls perfectly in between the two bands. And if you were to listen to fight up and then rid of me, you would hear the parallels, but it's, by no means do the two bands sound the same. For Lotus and Fight Amp, there were songs that sounded the same if you were to change the vocals. So I, uh, I'm i really, Rid of Me, I feel like, is what I wanted to do with Lotus and wasn't able to. Ah, interesting. Yeah, that's that's yeah. Uh, oftentimes the, the case with like these kind of interim 
Yeah, it's almost like uh, something ends, you want to jump right into something new, but that doesn't quite hit your creative stride. And then maybe the thing after that is like what actually you're able to actualize some of these ideas. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Are, are you familiar with uh, the band Dead and Gone? Like oh, Bay dude, Area? they're yeah. one of my favorites, actually. So do you know that record that they put out as another band with another vocalist creeps on candy before it, the final dead and gone record. Yes. I, I have, uh, I have that record on vinyl, by the way. Yes. Right on me, me too. And that, so that record is sort of how I look at the low dose record. Uh, e- even though I didn't go back to fight up and a new band started the, the low dose record kind of reminds me of that. Like there's like this twist and an attempt at something new. And then it's sort of like fizzled out and that in the same way that creeps on candy, because like, that record's amazing, it sounds like Dead and Gone, sort of, but it has its own thing at the same time. Yeah, uh, yeah, I just see a parallel with that. So that's such an interesting band. It's um, you know, Shane, the singer, and I actually Shane's going to be a guest on this podcast in the next. Uh, we we haven't set a date yet, but we're uh, cool. I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have him on because he has Al Alaric, that other band that he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah I- I'm a big fan of everything that camp does. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah. There's there's that other the guitar player went on to do that band with the dude from the GSL. Um, yep. I don't know why I can't remember the name of the band, but they're great. <laughs> I, I don't remember it at the moment either. But yeah, yeah. Uh... Dead and Gone are an unsung band in a lot of ways. You, that band should have been gigantic, but then again, that's kind of like the uh, the beauty of some of these bands that stay like obscure. For yeah. I'm sure they don't find it beautiful that they were obscure. But for me, <laughs> I, I remember seeing that with Neurosis and um, back in the late 90s. And uh, I'd never heard them before. It was Neurosis, I Hate God, Dead and Gone. And uh, yeah, to- totally blown away by what they were doing. And I was like, yeah, this is exactly like like punk, but like kind of Joy Division, kind of like birthday party, you know, it's, so it's good. Birthday party, big time. That's, I, I always saw this parallel between dead and gone and birthday party so yeah yeah the beautician definitely influenced a lot of what i've done and continues to honestly like the bass tone on that record and the way the guitars interplay with the bass i uh i come back to it over and over again for for years actually that bass player went on to do uh that band talk is poison i don't know if you ever heard that band either yeah yeah i'm a fan that's yeah yeah so we probably got a lot of the same records it seems like yeah 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 i think so (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome Uh, so all this work was done a lot of it was done during the pandemic during the lockdown right yeah yeah i uh you know in the initial phase obviously there was a some kind of period of time where we were all at home and not seeing anybody uh but a lot of the way we do things i I self-record a lot of at least demos you know and uh some of our releases i've I've had a pretty big hand in recording and mixing too but it made it really easy to be able to demo things and kind of uh uh trade files and stuff like that and maintain writing while the pandemic was happening then by the time we started having okay you know we can have our little bubble of people uh we were able to get together and pretty much have all these songs like already sitting there like ready to work on in the in the practice space so we didn't really miss a beat when it came to that in fact i think we got more done than we would have without the pandemic 
That's funny, actually, because we recorded uh, under sullen skies uh, during the lockdown and uh, like all clandestine style because, you know, we <laughs> we weren't supposed to be, you know, meeting with everyone was everything was supposed to be shut down. So the studio yeah. was closed. And I remember the engineer was like, you can't tell anyone that we're doing this because I canceled all these sessions because of the lockdown. And, you know, I, you, you can't let anyone know that you guys are in here. I'm like, OK, you know cool i don't yeah, talk to anybody yeah. anyway yeah yeah it's it's funny now i mean there's still a pandemic out there and that that notion is that ship has sailed you know it's, yeah yeah i mean yeah. i mean you know as, as more more information gets available and like i think exactly yeah you know vaccinations all that sort of stuff but um yep yeah so yeah at some point though you guys were all able to get into a studio and and record this like in a, the sort of traditional sense is that correct or everything was kind of done yeah. piecemeal or you know no i mean combination of both we were it was october of 2020 we went in and did a live uh you know initial live track so just drums bass and uh guitars which some of them some of the actually everything was used but there were overdubs on top of everything that we slowly did uh, at, in my home studio. So that we didn't do it all at once. We sort of did all those live tracks and then did a little bit of like bass DI work, guitar overdubs and vocals and all the other miscellaneous tambourine and stuff uh, at my house over the course of the, like, maybe we were done tracking around like january of 2021 or something and then we started the mixing process so because of the pandemic it was a little bit of a stuttered process more than i'm used to but you know it it got done so <laughs> well th thankfully uh you know technology is where it's at where a lot of these things can be done remotely and also at home i mean back in the old days you were kind of screwed if you wanted to record an album and you didn't have access to a studio, you know? Yeah, I mean, I it, this is a whole new frontier for me over the past few years, uh, being able to do it this way, and definitely a game changer, uh, especially getting older now. I mean, you know, everyone has these little windows of time that you have to align with each other, and having access to these DIY things that used to be inaccessible has made it so we can continue to do what we do. So it, it's huge. Has the bands been able to perform? Like I'm, I'm trying to get a, a window of, of time here. I mean, I know, you know, this record was produced during lockdown. Prior to lockdown, were you guys able to play live? Like was, was this band in existence before that too? Yeah, so that's basically what happened was we started the band, recorded uh, the, this four song EP or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then we had a, like a three or four week tour scheduled May of 2020 with Soul Glow. And those were right. going to be our include. I think it started in late April and they included our first shows. Uh, we were doing like a weekend with that band Juna from Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, and then we were meeting up with Soul Glow going down to Texas, up the East Coast and back, and everything got axed. So all of our first shows, nothing happened. And so it was weird because we had things scheduled. We were ready to play live. We were ready to go and it was just out the window. So we took a step back, added Ruben, wrote a record, recorded a record. And then we finally played our first show after all that time 
maybe a month ago. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So we've only played one show at this point. Our second and third shows are this Friday and Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I was, I was going to ask yeah. you about that because you got stuff coming up, man. I saw on your, your uh, I think it was on your Facebook page or Instagram. I saw that you got a bunch of dates coming up. Yeah, we are. Uh, so we're just doing two, I mean, really DIY shows this, uh, this weekend. We're playing in Egg Harbor, New Jersey, a house show uh, with Sunburster, which is a, a band that's on my label now. And Supine, I don't know if you're familiar, awesome, like, kind of hardcore punk screamo band who's putting out stuff currently. And so we're just doing that. That's our second show. Then the day after, we're playing Hell's Door in Richmond, which is another, it's outdoor, just basically under a bridge oh uh, cool yeah it's just out one of the it's just going to be kind of a wild time you know so we're just doing some just doing some punk shit and just getting out there you know doing what we can uh everything has been very kind of jammed up because of this like backlog of you know bands like itching to play so dude i i hear you man we we were uh supposed to tour do a u.s tour in november and uh I'm, I'm actually glad that we're postponing it just because of certain states being what they are and yeah. you know but also i remember when our agent was trying to book dates he's like man i'm having a really hard time because like i'm hitting these cities these markets that uh you know like places you guys played before but there's like already like six holds on that date you know and it's like impossible to get you know some of the spots so so yeah i i, I feel you man it's like a very very congested market right now trying to get you know gigs scheduled and all that sort of stuff yeah the same thing happened to us so we're playing four more shows in december surrounding our record release and we're just doing uh philly dc boston new york in the beginning of december because our record comes out december 3rd and we intentionally uh kind of played it safe we're like let's not let's not try to book three weeks or anything like that, even though our record's coming out and maybe we'll do that in the spring. And uh, I'm happy we made that decision because, you know, we already had like a whole tour canceled. We didn't want to go through that again. So it was one of those things where like, we keep it to these like cities we know kind of have high vaccination rates. And uh, right. yeah, we, and so we only have six shows for the rest of the year, but I'm kind of cool with that, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's cool. We don't have to deal with another round. If we, because if we had booked three, four weeks, we probably would have canceled. Honestly. Yeah. So. Oh, probably. Yeah, for sure. I mean, certain. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's at least some of those dates would have got canceled. You know, for exactly. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that was the thing that we were looking at too. Where it's like, okay, well, we got, we got all these dates. We're looking at the the, the places, the cities, and the states we're playing in. And I'm like, man, what would happen if like we we a big hole happened between the first and the last week of the tour it's you know, and, yeah, you know? Yeah, it's like yeah. you're, you're out in the middle of nowhere with no dates and what do you do you yeah. drive home and then drive out you know it just didn't make any sense so that's what yeah, we did. especially you know yeah like we're we're not these bands that we're in we're like we're not playing to ten thousand people every night where there's this like giant cushion underneath you you know exactly so it's like it's it's so razor thin that it's just not worth it to try to put all, all your eggs in this basket yeah no, not not to mention if one person gets sick at one venue like there's just there's all these implications that are just 
nothing like we've ever seen in our lives, you know? Yeah, it really, it, it really is like a science fiction movie, man. It's like some yeah. sort of bizarre, like, you know, dystopian apocalyptic film where, you know, <laughs> there's like, uh, you know, it's like, like this bizarre film we're living in, which is I hope hopefully the movie ends soon. That's all I can say. Uh, yeah, yeah, I hope so. I'm hoping for a happy ending, too. With the first uh, gig under your belt, what was it like, man? I know, like, sometimes, you know, you and I have both played thousands of shows, probably. But yeah. whenever there's a new thing, it's always very strange on that first show together. You know what I mean? So what was that like? I mean... Like, just like what we were just talking about, it was unlike anything, you know, probably you or I have ever experienced because it wasn't only our, it wasn't only my new band's first show. I hadn't even been to a show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's <laughs> and, right. Yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. In, in like a year and a half or something. So I, you know, I'm like, okay, here I go. I'm going to a show and I'm playing it. And I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see all these people that I haven't seen in over a year that I'm that I'm friends with or acquaintances or really close with. You know, like all. I just I laid very low during the pandemic. I, I still am laying relatively low, and yeah. I I uh. So it, it's hard to it's hard to put it on any kind of standard of anything I've ever done in my life because. It, I definitely walked into that situation and I was like, man, I, I've never felt, I have minor social anxiety in my life. Like nothing too bad, but this was a level where I was like, all right, I need to, need to figure out how to manage this feeling when I first got there and it eased. And then the show itself, the show sold out and people were very enthusiastic. We played great. It, so it was extremely cathartic in the end. I'm glad to hear that, man. Cause I, I know like, for, like we haven't played our first show post uh, whatever post lockdown. Like our first show is in November, but at least I've been to a couple of shows already. Now I'm like, all right, this is what it's like to be around people again and see people right, that right. you know and all that. But uh, but also just the what trips at what's well, a real trip sometimes is like when you, I mean you know tombs we've had a lot of different lineups, but I remember like <laughs> there was one particular night years ago when we were bringing on like basically a new version of the band and i'm in pittsburgh and this is the first time that this lineup has played live together and i'm standing on stage and i look over to my right i'm like who the fuck is this guy over here i'm like what who's over here on the left you know and i'm like like that that's the kind of vibe i was trying to talk about where it's like suddenly yeah yeah. yeah, man i plug my amp in i tune my guitar i know the lyrics i know how the songs go but there's like a whole new energy on stage with the people you're playing. And I was just wondering how that felt, you know? Yeah. Okay. I, I know exactly what you mean, uh, <laughs> but I, I think, so Iteria and I had been playing music together like quite a bit uh, because of low dose prior to rid of me. Howard and I have been friends since, I mean, it's been over 20 years now. We go back to when we were kids and we played in multiple bands together, including he had a stint in fight in. And then right. Ruben is just a vet, like one of the chillest people I know. And we played so much. Once we were like, okay, we're seeing people, at least our little bubble again during the pandemic. We, we continued to be a band that played once a week, uh, even though we had those shows because we were like writing a record. And then we were like, hey, maybe we can write a second record and take this time, which we got about halfway done. Uh, 
So we played a lot. So our chemistry, even though we didn't play live, was kind of dialed. So it, I, I felt at home, to be honest. That's that good. Stage. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that because that's not always the case sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been there for sure. That's <laughs> yeah. No, that's great to hear. You know, I'm happy that yeah. that's the case. So the, the name of the band, Rid of Me. Now, any, anyone out there listening, uh, I don't know if you've been like maybe uh, not aware of certain things, but like that's, uh, that's a PJ Harvey uh, record. So how does that name fit with the band and who came up with that name? but you know that's a mutual favorite record of ours and i don't i don't know it just kind of came up and between her and i and i was like i don't know maybe we should like make a little list and she, uh, sort of like the ethos of when her and i started this band at, as an idea before we actually even like had songs was you know let's just let's not overthink things uh because our Lodo sort of was an overthinking kind of band and uh we were like hey like let's let's do the opposite and we get a good idea and we like it let's just say yes and we like that name and we were like yeah we love pj harvey we love that record it's like a, you know top three for both of us probably uh but at the same time we're like well it's also a very universal statement and there's no bands named that and it's a really cool band name so let's just Let's just not overthink it, and that'll be just be the name. So that's what we did. So it was this kind of intuitive, uh, you know, decision. That's that's cool. Yeah. Yep. And, and as a result of becoming uh, familiar with this band, your new band, I I have uh, delved back into the PJ Harvey record too. So that's that's always a good thing. Hell yeah! Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's like I hear a lot of different now. Now I guess we can talk about some of the like the actual sound of the band. I mean, like uh, Tim sent over some lyrics and. You know, it's it's very uh, there's like it seems like there's a lot of different layers to things, a lot of depth in the lyrics and the, the music is, um, you know, I can hear a lot. Of, like when I first listened to the record, the first thing I came to mind was like this kind of Greg Sage, you know, like wipers kind of thing, you know, and, and um, yeah, that's yeah. that's huge for us, for sure. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. And yep. I don't know. That's it's cool just you like, picked up on that. Well, I mean, you know, I. I that that's the wipers are one of those bands that I think uh, universally uh, I feel like whatever music you listen to, that's a band that you could probably definitely enjoy. I mean, wipers gun club, like that kind of, all that stuff kind of like gun club without like the Americana aspects of it. I think like some of their more uh, their less rockabilly esque songs, yeah. I think fit, also into the the scope of what you guys are doing too i i could see that too and going back to the wipers a very quick anecdote uh go, go ahead go gonna, for it I'm, I'm not gonna name names to i don't want to throw anyone under the bus but i recently caught up with a super old friend of mine someone like 20 25 years we go back and uh we hung out and he was in a band that he used to play with a lot and he told me that he's like you know the this band broke up maybe 10 years ago or something. And he was like, you know, the reason I, he's like, I knew the writing was on the wall when I turned on a Wipers record in, in the band on our last tour. And the other members looked at me and they were like, yeah, we don't really like this so much. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I was like, oh yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Greg Sage is, uh, I think like, 
should be on the pantheon of like great American songwriters, man, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, he just didn't and probably still doesn't have that thing inside him that makes him want to be seen. Uh, that's how it, he's always come off to me. Like he's an amazing songwriter and I think incredibly influential, especially yeah, as an American, like punk rock or rock and roll guy. But he seems to like to not uh, be seen as much, you know? Like, yeah. I think, no. I think he likes being a little under the surface. Yeah. And, you know, definitely rid of me. I mean, it's, it's like, I, I, sometimes I tend to like categorize bands by like, um, okay, there's like riff bands, you know, like Slayer or whatever, you know, you listen to riffs. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, okay. It's a sick riff. And then there's bands that are hook like bands that are vocal hook bands and lyric bands, things like that. And right. what's kind of cool about, um, about rid of me though, is you guys definitely have like, it's like a, a weird aggregate of like all three of those things, you know? Yeah. I, and I think that that's a uh, individual character of each person kind of shining through here and there. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So are the, the dates in December, are they announced yet or, uh, you know, yes. you guys, okay. Yeah. Yep. They're announced. Uh, you know, we haven't put a ton of focus on them yet because they're in December. So, <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're right. announced. It's four shows for our record release, just Northeast. What what venues you guys playing? Uh, so it's Silk City in Philly, which I'm extremely stoked on because back in the day they used to do indie shows and, and stuff. Uh, and and there was a short stint maybe about ten years ago where they had like a little bit of hardcore shows and stuff like that. But they're sort of coming back as like a little bit of a venue, and I'm. You know, I, I've had old friends who are a little, who are a little bit older than me, kind of hit me up, and be like, "Man, I saw you know X, Y, and Z there in like 1999. It's really cool. You guys are playing there, so stoked on that." And then we're playing Pie Shop in DC, um, O'Brien's in Boston, and Mercury Lounge in New York. Oh, cool! Right on, man. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's uh, O'Brien's is uh, it's funny when I, you know, I lived in Boston for a period of time in the 90s. Uh, yeah, I was. I had this like few years where I was just this lurker in Boston for, you know, for a while and, um, yeah. you know, working at a warehouse and that kind of thing. And, uh, O'Brien's was like this funny old man bar. And, uh, <laughs> and then I remember like right before I moved away, uh, a few years before I, I, I mean, I guess I only lived in Boston for like five years, but, uh, somewhere at that, before I left, I remember O'Brien's was like this guy, Tim Katz, who was, um, you know, he was in this band, this thrash band, Seika, which is, you know, kind of a legendary Boston band. And then he was in Roadsaw. He started doing shows there. And I was like, that's a weird place to do shows. <laughs> and then and it stuck, huh? And it stuck. And now it's still, and I mean, we tomb, we played there, Tombs has played there uh, once, I think, once or twice. And, um, you know, and yeah, it's actually like a spot now that people actually play. Have you guys played there it's, before? I, yeah, I think Friday I played there twice lotus played there once so i Taria and i and i think i don't know if ruben has with soul glow or not but but yeah i'm definitely familiar uh i i love it i love that vibe i, I love the converted you know old man bar uh the only thing i don't like is the corner stage though <laughs> yeah it's awkward right yeah not a big fan of the corner stage yeah that's a little bit awkward for sure 
it seems like it's too deep or something like that. But then again, not and not wide enough. I don't know. It's like a weird setup there. Yeah, it's it's a little awkward, but you know, you pack people in there and it's it's awesome. So yeah. Now I started doing this thing, which people seem to like on the show. Uh, I include this Spotify playlist, and uh, you know characteristic depending on you know I'm, i do these other episodes where we just talk about records my co-host ralph and then we put together a list or i'll have a guest on we'll put together a playlist of their music and uh this time around i asked you to put together um a playlist of tracks that sort of informed what you're doing with rid of me so maybe we'll just run through that and like talk about yeah. some of those some of those songs oh, yeah. and Sounds how good. that impacted what you guys are doing so uh let's see the first on the list here is unwound pedals like bricks so uh yeah how what's the what's how why'd you pick that song uh i just think it has that i i don't know how much of an unwound fan you are and i know we were talking about dead and gone and i i kind of feel like there's another parallel between those two bands uh where unwound to me should have been way more uh acknowledged than they ever were uh I think an incredibly influential band. I think some bands are influenced by them. They don't even know it. Um, I guess I, I just feel some sort of kinship with the way they weave the bass and guitar and drums together. And that song is a really good example of that. There was definitely a thing going on in the 90s with the bass and drums. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yep. and uh, yeah, there was like a sound that uh, you know a lot of a lot of people would typify that sound with uh, you know touch and go and uh, the kind of Steve Albini produced bands. Yeah, definitely. And, and I feel like On Wild kind of like fits into that that mold a little bit, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think that and R.I.P. Vern. I guess he passed away last year, which um, sad to hear. But he was an incredibly influential like bass player in that scene and yeah I, I don't know there's i'm i've just been influenced by that band since the day i i heard them which i i don't know it's been some sometime 20-ish years ago i guess you ever you ever check out rodan actually yeah but it's been a while so yeah it, maybe that's worth a revisit but, but i have yeah that just popped into my head uh, as a band that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe like I've connected them at some point, but, uh, yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's like something that, um, you know, that tip, that sound, which is like that, that sort of driving sound. It's, you know, for anyone out there who hasn't heard these bands, it's like, it's not like metal, you know, or doom or anything like that. It's like a different type of heaviness that comes from, you know, volume and sort of like rhythm, yeah. I guess, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, you know, I also think that if you took those bands and maybe changed the vocal style and changed the tonality of them, it could sound more metal. And I think it's an aesthetic delivery that makes it not that way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then we have uh, Francis Farmer by Nirvana. And uh, and this one to me seems, uh, you know, fairly obvious to me. But Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> that's, yeah that's fine it's obvious for me too yeah yeah i mean i yeah that's the thing it's like I, even you know back even going back to fight app i always i always like like I'm, i would watch you guys play or i listen to your records and i'd be like yeah this is like there's like a nirvana thing going on here you know yeah and we we're 
still, you know, and uh, since I was sometime in the 90s, I've been incredibly influenced by the Melvins too. And that's mm-hmm. like, there's that, those two things go hand in hand to me, you know, Melvins and Nirvana. So. Uh, the next band on on the list is uh, actually probably one of my favorite bands out of that whole scene is uh, Cherubs, uh, Dave of the Moon. And uh, and once again, that's like another standout band from that whole noise rock scene of the 90s, even though I know they're yeah. I know they're, they've reformed, right? Yeah, Lodos, actually, that's who we toured with on the West Coast. Uh, really? Yeah, they're actually, I, Terry and I are pretty good friends with them. And uh, we, I, I put out a reissue of uh, Short of Popular on cassette on my label um, last year. Uh, I don't know if you know that record. That's that like. No, I don't know that record at all. Short of Popular is the, it's, it's after Heroin Man and it has some outtakes from the Heroin Man recording uh, recordings and then some like B-side. It's like a collection and then they broke up and it came out on Transcendicate, I think only on CD in like 96 or seven. And then they had it reissued a couple years ago on vinyl. And uh, they're just, they became good friends of mine over the past, over the, I don't know, maybe the last five years or so. So I reissued that on cassette, first time ever on cassette, which I'm really stoked I was able to do. Uh, I did that last year and we're talking about Whenever they're ready to play shows, we're talking about doing a run with Cherubs and Ritimi. So I'm really that's stoked a, that we'll, we'll be able to do that. Yeah, that's pretty amazing, man. Because I haven't I haven't seen them since they reformed. Like I saw them way back in the '90s. They are um, so so dialed in as a band that you know didn't play for a while and then played again. They they seem to have the same energy and ideas, and there's nothing contrived about it. They're they're just they're they're really, I really respect the way they do things. Back, back, back then when, um, when I'd given up on hardcore and, uh, right. was experience, was like checking out all the stuff on AMREP and, uh, you know, touch and go and all that. And, uh, trance, I remember coming across cherubs and, uh, I think it was like some videotape that I was watching, you know, you know, back then they had these video magazines or something. I can't remember the name of the one I was watching. Yeah. And, well, uh, AMREP had that, uh, what was it? Dope guns and fucking. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, right. Video deck, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. That's the one. Yep. But this this wasn't that. They actually had an interview with these guys and a live performance on there. And I was like, the cherubs, heroin man. That sounds like something I should check out. And yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. And ever since then, I was like not disappointed in anything they've done. Yeah, it's ma- majorly influential for me, and it's been cool to be able to get to personally know them. I kind of view Kevin's guitar playing as when I see him and the way he does things, like I, I have a very similar outlook on how to use a guitar. So it's, I definitely love that band. Now this next track is something I'm actually not familiar with. Diat nightmares. What, yeah, what is it? Uh, so it's like a German newer post-punk band. I guess they, uh, they're a little more influenced by hardcore though. So, uh, it's not like joy division but there's like joy division in it but it gets uh it gets heavy uh that record came out in 2015 it's definitely my favorite record from that year and it's still it it launched itself into my top 
however many records. Like, I love it. it I, I still listen to it probably at least once a week. Uh, but it's hardcore influenced post punk. Uh, wow. If if you listen to it, you will definitely hear the parallels between that and Rid of Me. So, well, I'm gonna ch- I'm definitely gonna check that out. And that's cool. That like that was that was the one thing I was excited about was that there was a something on here I wasn't familiar with. I think that you will love that record. Um, okay, it's it's called Positive Energy. They have one after it called Positive Disintegration. It's good. I prefer Positive Energy though, and I think you probably will too. So hi- highly recommended. I just found it on Apple Music. Great. Yeah, I, I think nice. you're really into it. Yeah. So last couple, we got, you know, Hot Snakes, Why Does It Hurt? I Obviously, that, that seems like something uh, pretty obvious to me. And then, of course, we have uh, PJ Harvey, uh, the quintessential Rid of Me track, which... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not, not so obvious, right? <laughs> not, that one was a reach, you know? No, but yeah, that yeah. was... Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, PJ Harvey, though, is kind of a juggernaut, man, when it comes to like making music and doing different things and uh, like reaching in it, reaching inward to like pull out very emotional music, you know? Yeah. And I, 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 you know, that rid of me era when it was like sort of a, I I don't know what type of band you would consider them at that point, but they were more of a fully fleshed out three piece band. And uh, I, I love that era, but it is crazy impressive that after that point, she was able to continue to, I mean, she sort of transcended being like a band person, which, you know, is not very easy for many people to do. Sure. And she did it in a way, like, unlike Gwen Stefani, you know, like it was more, like <laughs> a, yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? When I say that, like, it's, it was more as like, an I don't know, she's, I guess an artist more more than anything. Yeah. And then uh, you know, whole yeah, man, with the female vocals and the kind of uh, you know grunge kind of vibration that uh, is not necessarily definitive of what you guys are doing in "Rid of Me," but is clearly an, an influence. Yeah, specifically with whole and that record, uh, like that song, especially "Violet," like. Allow Quiet Loud and Eric Erlinson's like guitar playing matched with Courtney Love's vocals, I think is sort of like what has informed us. Uh, I mean, we were all, I guess, lifelong fans, but it definitely informs what we're doing, but maybe not in the way that most people would, would think. It's, it's, it's more in the dynamics than anything, I think. Right on. So Knife Hits Records, uh, what you know? What other releases do you have coming out, or you know, what's what's the uh, the the news with with Knife Hits? Well, I'm co-releasing the Rid of Me LP. Um, right. So the vinyl's coming out on the Ghost Is Clear Records out of Kansas City, and I'm doing the cassette CD. Uh, I mostly do cassettes, but I'm just getting back into vinyl. You know, at, or the most opportune time to do so when weights are at a year. <laughs> so yeah dude. uh yeah it, it's brutal but uh yeah I, I sort of just ramped it up over the pandemic i did some like reissues i've been doing i'm going through the fight amp albums and reissuing them on cassette because a lot of them never saw a cassette release i'm like sort of i'm i'm handling the digital and getting things back like under my own belt you know like the final fight amp album like i reissued on digital now under 
my label rather than Brutal Panda because the term was up. Uh, you know, just kind of cool novelty things like reissuing the, that that Cherubs record from the 90s, which I'm stoked on. I have another Cherubs release coming up. I can't really talk about details yet, but I'm stoked on it. Uh, and I am dipping back in the vinyl. I have a couple uh, projects. Basically, I'm at this like strange point where I'm focusing on the Rid of Me LP and I'm lining up what's happening next year right now. So I don't have a whole lot of like exact details, but in the next couple of months, I will. So, but it's more active than ever. And I'm like really enjoying it because it's a way to, uh, it's a way to work on music without picking my guitar up or, or doing recording work, you know? Yeah, no, it's cool. And I, I like cassettes actually. I mean, I think um, I actually have, I look over here to the left. I got a Tascam uh, dual cassette deck and a Tascam uh, DA twenty eight at machine. Hell yeah! At, or, I'm sorry, dat, uh, dat player. But the dats are a fucking inferior product, man. It's like yeah, if, I, I, <laughs> dude. Honestly, it's like if you have dats, they might not even play. You know what I mean? After a while, but a cassette, you pop that bad boy into the deck, it plays. You know? They they uh, I mean. When people buy vinyl these days, they generally take really good care of it. So vinyl tends to last because people are really on top of their collection. Back in the day, I mean, I don't know. My parents had vinyl collections and they were not well taken care of, you know, and th those things played like shit. Yeah. Cassettes, as long as you have a decent cassette deck, they tend to last. They're a little like tanks and CDs get scratched up and all cassettes don't. Also, they're cheap to make. So they're cheap to sell. So it's sort of like, and the turnaround times aren't a year, you know? Yes. So yes. Yeah. So the, I don't know. I kind of look at them as sort of this like every man's format, you know, as long as you can get a cassette deck, you know, you can, you can put a collection together for, for a, a tiny fraction of what it would cost to put a vinyl collection together. That's sort of what it makes them appealing to me. Yeah, I'm actually in the process of archiving a lot of that stuff too on, on digital. Just, uh, just because you know, physical copies. I mean, sometimes like some of the cassettes I have, like you know, if you leave them out in your car, you know, they, they warp a little bit. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like in the hot sun or something like that. You know, and yeah. and my yep. all the mil, mil, the millions of DAT tapes I have of like mixes and various live recordings that I've accumulated over the year. Like, I'm afraid that some of that stuff might not even play and I'd hate to lose it. So I'm trying to archive all that stuff as well. Yeah. Good call. I mean, that's, <laughs> I've, I've definitely lost some cassettes basically to just random circumstance. So. Yeah. Right on, man. So if people want to like, uh, like follow you guys on social media or, you know, pre-order records and all that stuff, give us all the um, information about where people can find you online. I guess the easiest catch-all to just throw out there is to go to knifehitsrecords.com and okay. that, that'll just guide you along. But, you know, Rid of Me is on Instagram and Twitter and all, all, all the relevant socials. Uh, I think at Rid of Me Band. Um, but yeah, if you just go to Knife Hits Records and follow along, it, it's all right there. Right on. And just give us a rundown of those upcoming dates so uh, people in the area, they can check you out. Yeah, so October 1st in Egg Harbor City at Friendship Mountain. Um, hit us up if you're in the area. We will give you the address. The next day is in 
October 2nd in Richmond at Hell's Door. Same thing. Hit us up if you're in the area. We'll give you the address. And then our record release shows are in December. It's December 2nd in Philly at Silk City. December 3rd in D.C. at Pie Shop. December 4th in Boston at O'Brien's. And December 5th in New York at Mercury Lounge. Right on, man. Well, good luck with all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, thanks for taking time out, Mike. And it was great catching up with you. Yeah, man, it was a pleasure. Great, great talking to you. Right on, Mike. Thanks a lot, man. I'm glad that we could uh, get make this happen before those upcoming dates. Yeah, this is awesome. Good talking to you for sure. All right, dude. All right, take care, man. Hey!